we've been enjoying the worship this morning and have been reminded of some of the mission that's going on in our church, we come to our sermon. Let's just bow together in prayer. Father God, we thank you for being able to come and worship this morning. We thank you for being able to sing, for being able to join in on stories of what you're doing around the world. And this, now we come and ask that you would speak to us through the stories of the Bible, through what we read, through what we hear. May we be drawn deeper into you. May we be rooted and grounded in you and built up that we may become all that you want us to be. So, Father, we pray that you would speak through our sermon this morning. In Jesus' name. I want to start maybe uh, in an unexpected place, but I um, thought we'd talk about ultimate fighting for a little bit. I don't know. Um, we could probably have a discussion right at the beginning whether we should even talk about ultimate fighting and whether uh, one person beating another person's brains in is something that Christians should be watching. But in my family, I had a British dad and a Mennonite mom. And the Mennonites are the pacifists throughout history, but my mom wasn't much of a pacifist. She used to tell me stories of how during World War II, she lived in Toronto and worked in a war plant drilling gun barrels for Lee Enfield rifles. And she'd go down to Maple Leaf Gardens and watch boxing occasionally. And she would tell stories of cheering for that. And, well, since Paul actually used boxing as a metaphor of the Christian life, I'm thinking maybe we can get away with it as an illustration. But in boxing, when the corner man thinks his boxer's in trouble, he can throw in the towel. It ends the match. Or alternatively, a fighter can just speak to the referee. And one of the most famous fights where that happened was that fight in 1980 between Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran was uh, getting outboxed. Uh, Leonard had speed. He was befuddling Duran. And in the closing seconds of the eighth round, which is roughly halfway through the fight, Duran turned his back to Leonard. And he held out his gloves to the referee and said, no mas, which in Spanish means no more. Although later Duran claimed that wasn't what he had said, and that was the invention of Howard Cosell, who was doing the play-by-play -play for the TV commentation. But there is no doubt he gave up the fight at that moment. Now, where you can talk to the ref or you can throw in a towel in boxing, in ultimate fighting, the fighter gives up by tapping out. When they feel they're in danger of injury or they just have had enough of that fight, they can tap the opponent's arm or his leg or his body somewhere, and the fight is over. And from that, we get a pretty popular saying these days, I'm tapping out, which just means I'm done whatever it is that we're talking about. And I was thinking about that as we talked about how we grow as Christians. And just keep that in the back of your mind because it's going to come back. But the first week we compared sweet peas and apple trees. And we talked about the need for us to be able to grow as Christians without needing supports that, that prop us up. And we said that sweet peas always have to have a fence or a trellis or something that stops them just kind of lying on the ground. Whereas an apple tree, though it may start with a stake or something like that, eventually the trunk grows strong enough that it can have these branches that can bear fruit. And it has this 
inner strength to it. And we said last week that that part of that inner strength comes from the fact that the apple tree has roots that have gone down into good soil. And we said that in order to bear fruit, you have to have roots that are rooted in good soil. And we talked a little bit about different types of soil and how those roots can grow in them. And then today we want to think about, well, what are the kind of roots that a tree needs in order to really bear fruit, in order to really make a difference? And since we've divided everything into twos so far, um, I'm going to suggest to you that, that trees can have, or plants can have, two major types of root structures. The one is multiple roots that go down. They're sort of fibrous roots. You think of a potato plant. If you've ever dug up a potato plant, there's all these little roots all at the end of them. There's all the potatoes, but there's lots of roots. On the other hand, you can have what's called a tap root. You can have one main root that goes down, which is like a carrot. Um, and then trees share those kind of uh, types of roots. Most trees, many trees, have all kinds of roots that go down in all kinds of directions. But some have these main root that goes down deep into the soil. And they're the tap roots that hold that tree there. And you're going to hear throughout this sermon a bad pun about tapping in or tapping out. Because the thing is, if a tree doesn't have a tap root, then those roots tend to stay pretty close to the surface. And there's a whole series of trees where those roots are actually just barely below the surface. They'll spread out, but they don't go deep. And they're relying on the rain and the fertilizer and all that near the surface of the soil in order for the tree to thrive and grow. And the challenge comes if, if there becomes a drought or if the nutrition in the soil gets used up by something else, then the rootedness isn't deep enough for that plant to thrive. And they may not die, but they're not going to bear much fruit either. In uh, 2006, there was a windstorm in Vancouver, and 120 kilometer an hour winds, which here in Alberta we would call, you know, a, a breezy day. But, but in Vancouver, that was something else. And coming off the water the way it was, it struck Stanley Park, which is right on the edge of the water. And about 3,000 trees blew over in that storm, some of them up to 800 years old. Huge trees. But if you look at the picture that's... Uh, on your screen here, you see that these had big root structures, but no depth. And when the storms came, they just blew over. And I think that's true of us as followers of God. I think that image is just there. If we have shallow roots, if we rely on our growth to come from the structures of church and that kind of thing, well, when we do that and COVID comes and all of a sudden those structures aren't there, we can wither. And maybe we don't die as Christians, but we don't bear much fruit either. Sometimes when the storms of life come, we actually just get blown right over. And what we're trying to say in this sermon is that we either need to tap in and go deep with God, or we're going to end up tapping out in some way or another. 
And I want to suggest to you that although most trees have one main taproot, in the Christian life we need three. We talked about one of them last week. We just didn't use this image exactly. But it's this deep spiritual root that comes from reading the Bible. It comes from prayer. It comes from Sabbath. It comes from generosity. It comes from community. Our inner world needs to be anchored to God securely. And if you missed that sermon, the last few sermons are on our website. But the second one is our outer life, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's our places of mission. It's our places of uh, vocation or work. It's our places of avocation or hobbies or things that we do. And we'll get there in a minute. But the third one, which is the teaser for next week, is if there's an inner and an outer, you're thinking, well, what's the third one? The third one is actually physical. And that sounds sort of counterintuitive. You, you really like physical in what sense? Well, physical in the sense of diet and exercise and sleep and rest. And you go, well, that's not very spiritual. Well, tune in next week and we'll figure out if it is or not. But these three tap roots then, the spiritual that we talked about last week, the, the outward and where we live out our life as the second one, and then that third one, which is the physical. So let's talk about this outer one. God called us to have a relationship with him. And in that relationship with him, we have this deep experience of him as a spiritual friend, as a father, if you want. And because Jesus died to bring us back into this relationship with God, forgiving our sins and sending God's Holy Spirit to live within us, we experience in our lives this result of this inner root, if you want. We, we, we experience God's presence and his power and his peace. And as we said, we get that through, you know, Bible reading and prayer and those things. But that's not the end in itself. We're called to be God's people to make a difference in the world. And we do that in the two main areas that God's been at work in from the beginning. On the one hand, God has been seeking those who are far from him, those who don't know him, those who haven't experienced his love and forgiveness. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And that is one of God's main activities in this world, is drawing people to himself. And the second one is, Jesus said, I came to minister to the least, to the broken, to the hurting. And at the beginning of his ministry in the book of Luke, he's called, um, he's in a synagogue on a Sabbath, and he's called up to read. And it says there, he stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So in other words, he deliberately went to this spot. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down to teach. 
And when everybody's eyes were on him, he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and he came to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we inherit his tasks. What God calls us to do is to be those kind of people who are helping people find God and helping people who are hurting find healing. And I want to suggest we do it in three ways. So hang in with me here. Three different ways that we do this. The first one, uh, well, we call it mission. I know, that's, that's stunning. Um, it's this difference that we make in the world. That when we think about, well, why am I here? It's to be involved in God's mission in the world. And so we, we then align ourselves with other groups that are doing that. So maybe it's our church. Maybe it's a mission to, um, you know, it's, it's world vision if we love children or compassion. Or it's uh, food for the hungry or something like that. If it's, what you know, whatever it is, we have this mission that we feel called on by God. And the challenge is, if you've ever just researched this, there are a million different missions in this world. They have a big mission fest in Vancouver. They used to have one in Edmonton, but it seems to be closing down. But in Vancouver, they take over this hotel on the waterfront in Vancouver, and they have this huge meeting room, and it is just full of different missions giving out their material. And as I've walked through there a couple of different times, I am just overwhelmed by the variety of things. And the question comes, how do I figure out what mission I want to be part of? How do I figure out where I'm going to put my roots down in mission? Because it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the sheer diversity and number of missions. And World Vision's founder, Bob Pierce, found a challenge with children that were hurting. And he famously prayed this prayer. God, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. And he prayed that over and over again, that his heart would be broken again and again, that he would never truly heal in that area as long as there were hurting children in the world that he could help. And I just think Jesus' heart was moved in a similar kind of way, when he encountered the lame, the sick, the widow, the orphan. And that song by Hillsong, Break My Heart with What Breaks Yours, I think that's a pretty good prayer for discovering our place in mission. What is it that breaks our heart about the world? And if you're still struggling to figure out what your passion for mission is, Maybe this week, spend some time just praying to God, saying, God, what is it that you have put on my heart? And maybe just reflect a little bit. What is it that, that just affects you when you hear the story? And when you start to feel that passion, begin to put down roots in that area. Begin to learn more. Begin to serve in that area in some way. Begin to be generous in that area. So the first thing on the outward thing is we're going to grow as we're involved in mission and we're going to make a difference as we're involved in mission. And if we put our roots down there, that's going to 
help us as a as a believer of God to be a fully devoted follower. But the next one, which may surprise you, is it's also our vocation that makes a difference. It's a pretty ordinary place, right? Vocation comes from the Latin to call. It's our calling. And so sometimes we say that's our job, but not all of us have jobs. So I say our vocation is where we spend our days. It could be school. It could be a workplace. It could be as a parent at home. It could be in retirement. It could be in unemployment. It could be in household management or whatever the correct term is for that these days. But the question is not how much structured or unstructured our life is or whether we live it in the home or out of the home. The question is, how do we live that out for God? And if we're at work, we can't just say, well, you know, work and God don't mix. I can't do this here. Or if we're not at work, we can't just say, well, you know, I'm just at home. What can I possibly do here? But the question comes, how do we develop the rhythms that allow us to make a difference in our days? How do we make a difference in that workplace, on that floor, in that classroom? How do we see ourselves as a corporate chaplain to that group of people? Or how as a parent do we see ourselves as the, the pastor of that little group of children? Or if we're retired or unemployed or we're at home, how do we see ourselves as God's presence there? What does a less structured life allow us to do that makes a difference for God? And again, what are the rhythms that would allow us to do that? What are the rhythms that would allow us to make a difference in our days? And I think the first one is we need to start with prayer. That whatever our day looks like, we're praying that God would open our eyes, that we would see him at work around us. That we would be open to being used. That we would discover where God has already got to work before us and has already begin to, begun to, to make a difference there and how we can come alongside of what he's doing. And I think one of the most important and simplest things we can do at work is someone has said what we all need is a word, a touch, and a smile. A word, just to say something to, to people know they've been noticed and, and someone has said something to them and they've been heard. A touch, well, probably a work not to do this very much, but uh, a touch in the emotional sense. That people feel that there's a connection there of some sort. And a smile in that sense that, that we have changed the atmosphere. We've raised the temperature of this place. And the question comes, well, what are we? Are we a thermostat or a thermometer? A thermometer merely records what's there. A thermostat seeks to change what's there. And we set the thermostat warmer to take the coldness out and... I just think that that's a crucial thing in our lives. Are we the thermostats that set the temperature and the spiritual temperature of where we are? Or are we merely a thermometer that if it's really cold, we're really cold. But if it gets really hot, we'll get really hot. And I was talking to a pastor a few years ago now, maybe. And he did this thing in this church. And we've talked about doing it. We never have, I don't think. But he's a, kind of a three-minute thing they would do some Sundays. And it was called This Time Tomorrow. 
And they would just get people from the congregation who were prepared, and they would have them come up, and they would just share for three minutes. And they would start by saying, this time tomorrow, which would be Monday at 11, say, I'm going to be an engineer at Shell, and I'm going to be on this floor, and I'm going to be working with these people. And I'm going to be doing this, and you can pray for me so that I can be God's presence in that place. Or tomorrow at this time, I'm going to be at home with my one- and three-year-old, and I need prayers for sanity and patience, and that I would be God's presence in their lives. Or this time tomorrow, I will be in class, and I'll be challenged by the peer pressure of my friends to deny my faith and hide it. And I need your prayer for this. And we put down roots in the everyday things of life. But we can make a difference with our days. We can make a difference with our passions, with the mission that God calls us to. And the third thing, obviously, is we can make a difference with what's left, which I would call our avocation. So vocation means to call. Avocation in Latin, when you add an A to the front, it just makes it negative. So it's our not calling. It's the things that we're not called to do, but we do. There are sports and our hobbies and our crafts and those kind of things. It's how we spend our evenings predominantly and weekends. It's in our friendships. It's in those times that we just spend with family or whatever it is. It's in our screen times, whatever it is you watch on your screen. It's in our book reading, if you're still into that. And the question comes, how are we God's people even in our own time? Sometimes we think, well, I need to be God's people on Sunday, and I need to be God's people or person in mission, and maybe I see my work as mission, so I'm going to be uh, a little bit more on purpose there. But the rest of the time, that's my time. That's the time that I have. And God says, no, how can you be of use to the kingdom in all those other areas of your life? How are we bringing God's presence with us into that part of our life? And I just think there's sort of three truths that go beyond all this as we wind up this morning. And the first of those truths is this. Everywhere we go, we show people what a follower of God looks like. Because everywhere we go, we're taking the presence in the name of God. And people may not know at first that you're a Christian, but they'll figure it out eventually if you give them enough time. And they're going to think that you're normal because they don't know many Christians these days, to be honest. And Paul, to the Corinthians, kind of wrote this, and it's, he's talking about what it's like to be in a procession when you are the winning army and you're riding into town, kind of in a ticker tape parade kind of thing. And he says, thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And he's saying that no matter where you go, you carry this aroma of God. And everywhere we go, we show people what a follower of God looks like. Secondly, everywhere we go, God has already got there before us. We think, well, I'm going to take God into my workplace. No, he's already there. I'm going to take God into my... No, he's already there too. I'm going to take God into my... No, no, he's there as well. He's always there before us. 
and he's already at work in little ways. And what we're praying for at the start of our day is to say, God, may I see those little things that you're doing and may I come alongside. And if there's a little spark or flame, may I blow gently on that and help it to grow. If there's a little need that's there, may I come in and just begin to help and to bring your power into that situation. And everywhere we go, God has already got there before us. And thirdly, everywhere we go, God's Holy Spirit is with us to bring God's healing power to meet needs. We don't go in our own strength. We don't do it, you know, well, I'm not sure I'm capable. You're not, but with God you are. For we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Isaiah the prophet said about all this, predicting a time when Israel, who was going into exile, would come back and thinking of, I think, us as well. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. And I just love that because I think that could be the theme verse for what we're talking about. When we take root below, we bear fruit above. And so we need these deep roots. We need these tap roots. Because if we don't tap into God and tap into God's power and begin to see ourselves as those people that are making a difference for him in the world, those people are making a difference because we're focused on mission to uh, a need that God has placed on our heart, that we're people who are focused on our vocation where God has placed us during the day, and that we're focused on our avocation where God has placed us kind of in our evenings and weekends. That we can make a difference if we tap into God. Because if we don't, we're just going to tap out eventually. We're just going to become... People who just say, no mas, I think I'm done. If we don't have roots that equip us to bear fruit for him by making a difference in the world in these three ways, well, we've tapped out. We've just said to God, I don't want to be your fully devoted follower. I just would love to go to heaven when I die. And I'd love to have an easier life with you here. But I don't want to answer the call to be part of your team that's making a difference here on earth. And so this week, let me challenge you three different ways, three kind of little things you can be doing this week. One, what mission are you passionate about? Is there something that you support? You heard about Rwanda. You know we're involved in India. You know we have compassion and care about kids. You know we're involved in a lot of other kinds of mission, whether it's EMI or whether it's uh, our own Canadian Mission Board. And There's all kinds of mission in the world. This week, what is the one that you would like to be involved in? What can you learn about it? What can you do to get involved in it? How can you support it? Second one, how could God use you in your work? And just three simple steps on that one. One, pray at the start of your day, God, I'm coming here to represent you. Two, try to see through God's eyes. And three, know that you bring his presence and with his presence, his power. And then thirdly, 
what can God do in your avocation, your hobbies, your crafts, your sports, your leisure time? And again, they're really just the same three prayers. God, how can you use me in this? God, what is it that you're already doing? Can I see through your eyes? And third, God, I know I bring your presence here. May I honor you by how I do that. Three roots. A spiritual root where in the quiet and in the community of God, we develop some strengths. Secondly, in the outward parts of our lives, where we're with often non-believers, non-followers of Jesus, we get to live that out. Third one coming up next week, how we do that in a healthy way. But this morning, just reminded of that verse from Colossians that Paul wrote to that church. He said, just as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And that's my prayer for us this week, that we would be rooted and built up, that we'd be strengthened in the faith, and out of that we would just overflow with thankfulness for all that God is doing in us and through us in his world. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you this morning that you have planted us that that seed of faith that you put in our lives has germinated and is growing, and we're growing in you. And we thank you, Lord, that part of that allows us to make a difference for you and with you in this world. And so, Father, whether it's in our areas of passion and mission, whether it's in our areas of work or of vocation, or whether it's in our areas of leisure and avocation, Father, may we live for you. May we see you ahead of us. May we see you at work around us. And may we see your power flow through us to make a difference in your world. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.